Today, I'm, I'm not starting a new series. I know that's going to shock you, considering that I just finished a 10-week or 11-week series on Heavenly. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but I want you all to know that I really did miss you, and I'm really excited to be back, and I'm excited to bring this word to you today because I think it's going to touch all of us. It's going to be deep, so just prepare yourself um, because we're trying to pull back a veil and peer into a spiritual reality that we're limited in seeing. And if you don't have the Lord revealing it to you and you don't see with spiritual eyes, it, it can be difficult. But even if you do have the Lord revealing and showing you things, it can also be difficult because of what you see. And so we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about judging people based on outward appearances. But I also would have titled this message, Beside Yourself. So... We'll go with either one today. For me, I live a life of having incredible encounters with the Lord consistently. I've learned that if I'm not having encounters with the Lord, then my zeal and my passion and my fire and my love for God and love for others wanes. I get self-absorbent. I get self-centered. I get selfish. I have selfish ambition. All those come when I don't have my eyes fully focused on the Lord. Now, I don't live on the mountaintop full time. It feels like I go in and out. It feels like I live more in the valley than I do in the mountaintop. Hardship, difficulty, adversity, struggles, challenges, trouble, cares of this world. But I believe genuinely that God designed it that way. We learn to go to the mountain. We learn to go to the Lord. We learn to run to his presence because we're in such desperate need because of the world that we're living in. We do it for ourselves and we do it for others. And so having encounters with the Lord is vitally important or you'll become stale. You'll become dry. If you're not getting your daily bread every day with the Lord, then you will be living on yesterday's bread or no bread at all. And spiritually, a man shall not live by bread alone, which means if you're not having encounters and diving into the word and sitting at his feet, then you're malnourished. You're a malnourished Christian. Now, I love all of you. And everything that I'm going to speak on today and what I'm talking about now, I'm talking right to myself. I fight the same fight. Businesses, kids, pressures, struggles, challenges, marriage, health, all these things always want to pull from you. And the teenagers and the young adults may not fully understand that yet, but you will. And you have your own unique set of challenges. Friends, what people think about you, hormones, testosterone, Whatever it is, all those things can really make you crazy in the head. And so you don't fully understand what's coming. But what I can say to everyone here is that if we will make it our priority, regardless of our life stage, to fully commit to a lifestyle of intimacy and sitting at his feet, everything will change. Because promotion comes from the Lord. Change comes from the Lord. And this is something you never get to bypass. Every revelation I have, all the series on heavenly and everything else I've ever taught, all come from sitting at his feet and listening to what he has to say. None of us get to bypass it. So if you're struggling and having issues and you're manifesting and your flesh is imploding, you have to run to have encounters with the Lord. Now, this church helps to have encounters because we desire encounters. We're an encounter church meaning that we want his presence. We don't want to just go through the motions of church and have another Sunday. I want an encounter with the Lord. 
Now, I've already had an encounter with the Lord. I'm up there crying. I'm, God's downloading things to me. I'm having an incredible experience with the Lord. And many times I have to shut my eyes so that I'm not seeing what's going on around me so that I can see what God wants me to see in the spirit. I'm not shutting my eyes because of social anxiety. I'm shutting my eyes because I want to really see what God sees and not get distracted by what's going on in the room. And it doesn't mean I don't open my eyes. It doesn't mean I don't know what's going on in the room. But the point is, is I care more about seeing Jesus so that I can be an accurate reflection of Jesus. If you're not seeing Jesus, you will not be an accurate reflection of Jesus. You'll be a reflection of yourself. And that is really a scary thought because we don't realize many times just how deep rooted the issues are that are in us that keep us divided from one another. I'm tired of division. I'm tired of people being identified by their lifestyle rather than who they are. I'll drink to that. So for me, it can be walking the track at the athletic club. It can be walking on the beach. And there's no set formula. God changes the spots up all the time. Sometimes it's under the bridge in the bluff. Sometimes it's sitting in my car on Laguna Shore. Sometimes for my wife, it's sitting in a parking lot of a grocery store because that's where she meets the Lord. The most important thing is that you find your spots and you you keep returning and you never get away. Because all this superficial stuff that we see with our natural eyesight will shift and change when you see with spiritual eyesight. But you have to have beside yourself encounters. Until you're beside yourself, you'll never truly be yourself. You'll only be selfish. But if I'm beside myself, it's for God. If I'm in my right mind, it's for you. But you can't have one without the other. In fact, the one comes first before the second comes. You have got to hear what I'm saying to you today. If you are not beside yourself, you're in yourself. It's all you. So God has this way of giving you these crazy encounters and experiences that take you beside yourself so you can get outside of yourself. The world will call it being out of your mind. God calls it being in your right mind because you're in the spirit. We're already getting deep today. So you might want to take notes or come back and listen because we're going to go even deeper. Crazy encounters with God prepare you for crazy encounters with people. Yeah. <laughs> crazy encounters with God prepare you for crazy encounters with people. The Mount of Transfiguration. Crazy encounter with God. Within a few hours, they're facing the demoniac from the mountain to the valley. These encounters equip and prepare you for what you're going to deal with in this world. Because if you don't see accurately, you'll fight inaccurately. You'll speak, you'll see, you'll answer inaccurately. And everything is screaming at you with a bullhorn right now. Your struggles, your challenges, your cares, the lies of the devil, the media, the news, the world, the spirit of this age is all screaming like a bullhorn right in your ear. But there's a louder, better voice. And sometimes that louder voice is actually in this silent, it's in this soft whisper. But it overrides even the loudest of voices. You're going to have crazy encounters with people. 
The key is for you to not be the crazy person. I'm going to drink to that too. For those listening by podcast, I'm drinking coffee. Just so that you know. You have to get beside yourself to God. Everybody say, to God. In order to be in our right or sound mind, say, for others. So in order to be in your right mind, you have to have these beside yourself encounters that are to God. They're for God. They're the purposes of you and the Lord alone, which does something in you, which positions you to do something for someone else. I've lived my whole life like this. And the more crazier this gets, the more beside myself I get with him. That's what I love about Jason. Just watch Jason, our artist, worship and dance. And he is a beside himself kind of guy. Which should then put him in a right mind, sound mind for everyone else. It's in these beside ourselves encounters that we're completely filled with compelling love from Christ and in Christ for others. So in order for the love of God to compel you to do anything, in order to be compelled or moved to action, think of the word compelled. I moved to do something. I moved to action. The only thing that should be moving us is perfect love. No matter your situation, it needs to be enveloped in perfect love. Car accidents, sickness, struggles, hardship, because they're going to come. Suffering is going to come. But if you're enveloped in the perfect love of God, you're always compelled to respond properly. Now, I'm not fully there yet, but I want to get there. And I think I'm on to something. Is that we're compelled by love because of these encounters that God revealed something to you, showed you your own self, your own depravity, and in turn enabled you to love other people even better. And then you learned how Jesus loved. So these beside ourselves encounters, they transform us so that we can see and judge other people accurately. In turn, we must also stop boasting an appearance for ourselves or allowing others' appearances to determine our answer and response both internally by what we think and externally by our actions towards others. So boasting in our appearance for ourselves is this self-esteem issue. It's this selfish ambition. And the world's all about that. So we judge and we size people up based on their appearance, or we want to be judged or sized up based on our appearance. Now, appearance can be identified as a lot of things. It can be your title, your name, your position, your identification, your social status, your economic status, your influence, your fame, your notoriety, your intelligence, your clothes, your jewelry, jewelry, your watches, your house, your car. It's all an external appearance. And so we can use those things to subtly create an image or boast in ourself. Or when other people see, we boast in them because they have all those things. And maybe you don't. So we have to stop boasting in appearance for ourselves. Now, this is much easier said than done. 
This requires God to pull back the veil. When Jesus was officially crucified and died on the cross, the veil in the temple was ripped in two. Which in one way means you have access. But what do you have access to? In that, ca- in that case, you had access to see the false pretense and ideology that was behind it. There was no ark. There was no presence. So until God reveals to you that there's no ark and there's no presence and it's a false ideology, you'll never shift or change. If you keep trusting in yourself or your appearance or your social status, whoo, I told you I'm going deep today. Because there was nothing behind the veil. This is false religious facades. This is Sunday morning Christianity at its finest. This is religious pretense. So we have to stop boasting and allowing other and boasting in other people's appearance to determine how we're going to answer or respond to them. Now, we may not answer verbally, but we'll think it internally. I, let's not lie anymore. Y'all, we all think all kinds of stuff that we don't say. And until that thing gets submitted to the Lord, we'll never have real unity and real change. And until God reveals it to you, this message has to be caught more than taught. But you will only catch it in the encounter. This is why the beside yourself is so important. Man. Biblically, when you see give an answer, it means you have the advantage from a position of strength, either for or against. It's a proper response based on how God sees and identifies a person. So if I'm going to give you an answer, then I should have the advantage because it's a proper response from the way God sees it. In some cases, it's no response. Come here, let me give you a hug. In some cases, and when I'm praying for people in a prayer line, I don't say a word. I just touch them on the shoulder and they start crying because they just needed somebody to come close and comfort them. In some cases, the response is a correction in perfect love. If you don't stop doing that, it's going to kill you. If you don't get right with God, his face is against you. Now, we don't like hearing that, but that's truth. If we rebel and stay obstinate and don't heed his voice, biblically, the Bible says, actually, his face is against you. It has nothing to do with God loving and caring about you. And maybe in some cases, it's like, yeah, you bombed it miserably, but I love you and God loves you. That's not who you are. We have to stop putting labels on people and identifying them based on addiction, alcoholism, drug addict, LGBTQ. I don't, want, I don't identify somebody based on their sexual preference. I identify you based on how God sees you. I called somebody an alcoholic a while back. God convicted me so much. He said, you literally just identified and labeled by your words that person and stated this is who they are. Again, I want you to understand, until God begins to reveal these things to you and you're in such intimate communion with the Lord, you won't see these things. They'll fl- they're fleeting. But I've only had them from genuine beside myself encounters. God can show up in many different shapes and forms through people. And God can also show himself to all, no matter who they are, what they've done. 
if I see somebody that has tattoos all over their face, my first thought is what an incredible witness they would be to pull people out of darkness when they flame onto their evangelism gift because how they look will tear down religious walls to set the captives free. Somebody else will say, who did this guy murder and is he going to murder me? And it doesn't mean I'm not wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. And it doesn't mean that you don't be on guard and be wise. But how on guard are you going to be? Because what if God's working that person's life? So when the thug showed up, see, I shouldn't even call that guy a thug. See, I have to work in my own, in my own heart. But when the guy that looked like a thug showed up to buy a goat at my house right out of prison with tats everywhere. See, look, I'll tell him my own self. Are you guys okay with that? I mean, if I can't be vulnerable and honest and transparent, who, then we might as well just shut the church down. God's digging deep in me. And if he doesn't dig in me, he's not going to dig in this house the way he's supposed to. And so he shows up. I'm like, man, God's like, welcome them right on into your property. So come on, guys, let's go get those goats. I really wanted to get rid of the goats. That was a big factor in the whole situation. But I didn't care what you looked like or who you were. Take the goats. Take the goats. (laughs) You would have been easy. You would have been easy. You would have taken them. They're in somebody's stomach now. Anyway, back on track. <laughs> I said, how you doing? You heard the story recently, but in case you didn't, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not good. You want to talk about it? No. All right, well, I'm a pastor if you do. He looks at me, you're a pastor? I'm like, yeah, he starts crying. He goes, I just found out right now my grandpa just fell and hit his head and died. My only living last family member starts crying. We go to the back of the property. Here's my kids. They follow me everywhere I go. Amber's peering out the window, probably (laughs) protecting her life. (laughs) And I'm laying hands. We're laying hands, and I have the kids laying hands on on the guy. Because this is the whole thing about appearances. I'm not any better than he is. And if I don't, this is the power of Jesus yoking up with you where you're at, is he says, I'm lowly in spirit. Jesus was lowly. So he came to the crack addict and the drug addict and the the porn addict and the abuser and you name the worst of the worst. And he said, I'll come to you where you're at and take my yoke. It's easy. You can't even plow. Stop plowing the ground on your own strength. And hook up to Jesus because his yoke is easy and light. And he'll actually give you rest while you're plowing. Can you imagine rest while you're plowing? Do you want to finish the rest of your days plowing with the sweat of your brow or the rest of your days with rest? There's always a better way, folks. There's always a better way. No matter what they have done, no matter who they are. The issue is twofold, how we see an answer based on what we see, how we see and give an answer based on what we see, and how much of our appearance is involved. The key is not commending or boasting in yourself. 
Paul took it to the extreme and he said, I consider everything a loss. My degree, my education, I could trump all y'all with what I've done, but I consider it all a loss. I count it all as rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing him. This is the beauty of what happens if you could only get it in your teens and your 20s and your 30s. And some of us are a little late to the game in our 40s and 50s and 60s, but the good news is, is you can still get it. 2 Corinthians 5.12. Everything I just taught you is based on this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 12. Read it carefully. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. That's the part I want to focus on. The answer to those who boast in appearance and not where? In the heart. So we should always have the ability to give a proper answer no matter what we see people do, what they look like, what their appearance is. And we should also check our appearance to make sure that we're not leaning on a false facade or pretense to try to please somebody to become something that we're not. It's a lordship issue. It's a total dependency on God issue. You really realize this the older you get because you look back and go, man, all that stuff that I worked for and I built really doesn't matter as much as I thought it did. The houses, the things, the material possessions, all the nice, everything appearance related. I was groomed in the church world to look at appearances. I was moved by titles. I was moved by positions. But the more you die, the more you realize those things don't really matter. And the more you look to Jesus and understand how he lived his life, that he gave his life for all. And now this is the way we should see. Because Christ gave his life for all, anyone that comes to him is in him and they become a new creation. We're going to look at that. The problem is I don't see new. You don't sound like new. You don't look like new. But that's the problem with appearances. So we don't commend ourselves, but we have this opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer to those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we're, here's the beside yourself. If, you're, if we are beside ourselves, it's for, now this is a little odd thing because this scripture just pops out of nowhere. He's talking about not being moved by appearances and checking the heart. And then he goes right into, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we're of a sound mind, it's for you. That's the process. Beside yourself with God, sound mind for the people. And beside yourself means that you are literally in this ecstatic ecstasy state where you're completely out of your mind. The challenge is for intellectuals that don't really understand what I'm saying right now, it's very rare that you have beside yourself encounters because it, it requires you to really let go and trust God. And I don't care whether you have them in the public or in the private. There's people that have them here at this church and they are beside themselves and God's working in them. And in some ways, there's people in the church that could be a skeptic or judging them or criticizing them based on the outward appearance. But if you don't hear what God's doing and saying, then you're going to just write them off as crazy. So when you're beside yourself, it's for God. If you're a sound mind, it's for the people. 
Why? Verse 14. The love of Christ compels us because we judge this way. So I'm compelled by love and I judge this way. That if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And so here's our proper response. Christ gave his life for everyone. And for everyone that believes and says yes to him, then they all die in him. Even if we're not seeing the manifestation of it, God has a way in time and through process. This is the, the scary component of being able to see and not having a proper response is I know you gave your life to the Lord, but your life is a mess. But did you fully surrender your life to the Lord? Yes or no? If you haven't, I highly suggest that you do because your life will be a thousand, a million times better and you'll fulfill everything that God has in store for you and you'll have rest and peace. But you'll learn and discover the goodness of God and the love of God. And so when I look at people, I have to say and ask myself with perfect love, God, what are you doing in their lives? They said yes to you, but they're combusting or they're not seeming to get it. And then God says, oh, that was you in the beginning. And so you may not be seeing the manifestation of it, but God has a way in time and through process. And I don't know why it takes longer for some. Maybe you're more hard-headed than others. Maybe you've got a, you're more stubborn. I don't know. But here's what I know. God is God and I'm not. God's actually looking at me and how I treat you and you and how you treat others. He's looking at you and me and how we judge and give a proper response. The key identifier is no longer living for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. So one of the most important aspects to knowing when someone's in Christ is how they're choosing to live their life. That we should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them and rose again. Now, I, have made, I made a decision from day one to live for Christ. But all along the way, I kept combusting and making mistakes. In my early days, I got high, spirit-filled, getting high, praying in tongues, smoking pot. Then God weaned that out of my life. Thank God I wasn't around a bunch of weird religious Christians that were judging me inaccurately. If you're smoking pot and you're part of this church, I love you. I care about you. I'm going to walk this process out with you and don't feel condemned. If you're battling same-sex attraction and you identify as LGBTQ, I love you and care about you. Give your life to Christ and let perfect love come in and invade that space on the inside. Because what you identify with is not on earth is not your identity. My identity isn't identifying as a son with the Lord. So I'm not identifying based on sexual preference or drugs, addiction. That's not who you are. One of the number one things I say to people when they come to me and like I'm struggling, it's like, okay, I know that's not who you are. How can I help you get out of it? And that's how your response should be to other people. Here in a minute, you're going to see what that's called. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Now what I'm going to do is we're going to make an exchange and reconcile you back to your creator. Because no change will happen. I can't put any behavior modification on you. You can't be transformed until you get the Holy Spirit living on the inside. Holy Ghost on the inside. Holy Spirit activate. Come on. 
Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. So when you come to Christ, you make the decision to say, I don't want to live for myself anymore. That they should no longer live for themselves. Appearance is all about self. Appearance is all about living for yourself. Do you notice that? So God doesn't give you any out. Don't boast in yours and don't judge on theirs. Let me say it again. Appearance is all about yourself. So God doesn't give you any out. Don't boast in yours and don't judge on theirs. So now when you come to Christ, you have a new purpose and a new reason to live. Some of you have said to yourself, I have no reason to live any longer. And you don't see the reason. Now this can be a double-edged sword. I'm longing to be with the Lord. I'm yearning. The older I get and the more crazy the world gets and heartache and heartbreak and pedophiles and human trafficking, there's this component that says, God, when will it end? I'm ready for that. But I'm not a fatalist and I'm not saying push the button because there's work to do. And if the button got pushed, meaning the rapture came or the Lord came or whatever it is that you believe, I know there's a second coming. When the second coming comes, all those that didn't know the Lord will be left behind. So that hurts me. Because I don't want anybody to not know the Lord and be left behind. So you have, say, I have a new purpose to live. You always have a reason to live. Your life is so valuable to the Lord. If you battle suicide and ending your life and just, that's a demonic lie from the devil. The problem is you haven't seen the reason to live. And until you see Jesus, you'll never see the reason to live. But again, until you have beside yourselves encounters with God, you will never have true sound mind ability for others. Let me break down this beside yourself. The word is existing me. It's where we get the word ecstasy. Now, some of y'all know that word real well. (laughs) It's a place of ecstasy. Now, beside yourself is not just I had a nice moment in worship. This is God rocked my world. And you need your world rocked. So we're going to be a rock your world, rock city church. That's why I expect nothing less from Mark and Nathan and the worship team than to plow deep into the heavenlies. And Cameron and everyone that plays and everyone that preaches and teaches and loves and cares, the prayer partners, the whole thing is designed for you to have out of this world heavenly encounters that get you beside yourself. See, you got to get out of yourself. It's in the Bible. Beside yourself means to be amazed, astonished, and to be thrown into wonderment and astounded. This isn't just a nice little word. Listen to this definition. Amazed, astonished, and thrown into wonderment and astounded. In the natural, it's insanity and out of your mind. Spiritually speaking, it's heavenly experiences that strengthen your position in who he is and who you are. How he sees and how you're supposed to see. Here's the thing. You can, have, you can be so out of your mind that you can't even have normal healthy relationships because everything's so revelatory you don't even know how to talk and use normal language and have normal conversations and have a healthy marriage and raise your kids right. 
Beside yourself always leads to sound mind for others. If I'm beside myself, it's to God. So I have this thing with God that no one can ever take or touch. I have these experiences with God that have really nothing to do with you. (laughs) They have nothing to do with you. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care if God wants to do it publicly. I've been in moments where I've fallen. I couldn't even finish my message crying. There's times I'll dance wildly, and at some point, like it or not, I'm busting out my fire flags. And I'm going to show you what real flag worship looks like. And my wife is excited about that. And somebody's going to say, that pastor's a fool. And I'm going to wave him a little more wilder. <laughs> you, this is the thing. Prim, proper, put together appearance. How's it going to look? What are they going to say? They're going to know. No, they're not going to know. They're going to know that you are a fool for Christ. Ooh, man. We're not to be moved by outward appearances, but rather the heart. The heart is, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart, folks. It's all about the heart. With compelling love to live for Christ, and that enables others to do the same. When you are compelled by Christ, you can love others properly, and in turn, they can learn what perfect love looks like. And so when you have these beside yourself encounters and you're compelled by love, everything changes in how you regard. You regard people differently, even if they're solely focused on outward appearances. Are there hypocrites in the church? Yes. Are there uh, wolves in sheep's clothing? Yes. Are there toxic people? Yes. Are there witches and Wiccans that are going to come to try to stop the move of God? Yes. Is a homeless, stinky, smelly person going to walk in and sit right next to you that's out of his mind in the natural, not in the spirit? Yes. And that doesn't mean that there's not boundaries and there's not consequences and that we don't protect, but it means that we have to do it God's way and we have to regard God's way and we have to see God's way and love God's way. And so because of that, look at this verse 16. From now on, we regard no one. This is a very intense scripture for us. Meditate on this scripture. We regard no one according to the flesh. That is seemingly near impossible to do in this day and age. We regard no one according to the flesh. And some of y'all is fleshly. Serious. Flesh, flesh going on everywhere. Manifesting anger, hatred, bitterness, strife, division. hidden sin. So even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we don't even know Christ that way anymore. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. He who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And this is the key here. He was reconciling or balancing the books. He was making an exchange. That's what it means to reconcile. Every 
erroneous calculation is now balanced and made right. And there's an exchange. God was in Christ reconciling the world himself. Watch this. Not imputing or reckoning their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's so easy to see the flesh. It's so easy. A majority of communications, body language. Your face doesn't lie. So we can take your clothes, your Rolexes, your watches, your lack of watches. We can take all the stuff. That, and I can clearly see that somebody's out of their mind. But God always looks to me and how I judge them and how I love them. Think of the demoniac. We've had demoniacs walk in this church. And trust me, I did not want them in the natural to stay. But God said, you let them stay. And they're in the back doing. And I can just see that's the first time you came to visit Rock City Church. And you walked in and you saw a crazy person in the back. But God said, no, let's give them the opportunity to give their lives to Christ. And get healed. I wish it could just be easy. I, my prayers, they'd walk in the front door, fall on the ground, convulse, demons would come out, they'd be healed and be up front worshiping in their normal right mind. It could happen, but more often than not, it doesn't happen that way. If I'm so concerned about outward appearances, the second that person walks in, out. Because what are they going to think? What are you going to think? What are you going to say? That rock city, this. At some point, you just got to not care. At some point, you set your face like flint and you choose to behold him as in a mirror and become an accurate reflection to everyone that you encounter. So it's easy to see flesh. It's much harder to see the true call identity and heart of a man, especially when their body language and outward appearance is so revealing. But because we know Jesus differently, we know ourselves differently, and then everything we see and know about others changes. But until you get an accurate reflection of your own self, your need, your depravity, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace, you won't be able to accurately give that away to somebody else. So when you see uh, uh, things in other people, it's what you do with the information that's provided to you that really matters. Truly, all people become new creations. To become a new creation means I was, I am, and I will be. That's the process. You were, you are, and you will be. Maybe you got stuck somewhere along the way. Maybe your growth got stunted. I call that spiritual arrested development. Arrested development means you only went so far and you never went any further. But my job's to call you higher. Your job's to call other people higher. Get up the mountain. Get up the mountain. Stop camping on the plateau. So when you become a new creation, it should cause you to live differently. Why? Because he reconciled us. We should now reconcile others. If he did it for you, you should be doing it for other people. And this is everyone's ministry in this room. Every one of us, no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you have a call to the ministry of reconciliation. It's bringing people who were lost back into their true identity. I wrote it this way. It's the restoration of the favor of God when you repent. You are out of the favor of God. You repent, reconciled. Now you're back in the favor of God. And trust me, you don't want to walk without the favor of God in your life. The favor of God does these supernatural things that you could never do in your own strength. So 
So this is the ministry of Jesus. And while he did it, he didn't make people pay for their sins. He paid for their sins. I need to say that again before I close. Jesus was not imputing their sin to them. He was moved not by what he saw in the natural, but by what he saw in the spirit. And he had equity. Equity that was built up by who he was and in the private. Equity in the private gives you equity in the public. And so he didn't pay people back. Sin in the absence of himself have a way of doing that on their own. Listen, anybody that doesn't know Jesus is in bondage. I promise you. I love you. Please, don't get offended. It's a reality. It is what it is. And when you're outside of the favor of God and outside of your true identity and who you are, sin has a way of capturing you and putting you in bondage. But it's also the absence of himself. It doesn't mean he doesn't want you. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean he's not coming after you. But when you stay defiant, then what happens is, is you choose to stay in that prison cell and you need a jailbreak. You need a jailbreak. You need to be reconciled. And we have a commitment to God to give a proper response. It's the word of reconciliation. So I'll leave you with this. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Samuel says, man, certainly the firstborn son of Jesse has got to be the new king. He's tall. He's handsome. He's definitely the one. Outward appearance. And look at what God says. It says... uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord doesn't see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When we see others, we should see Jesus in them or the Jesus that wants to be there. When you look at others, you should see the Jesus in them or the Jesus that wants to be there. But if you have a wrong view of Jesus, you're going to crucify them just as we crucified Jesus. A wrong view of Jesus means I will crucify other people with how I judge the same way we crucified Jesus. Because he didn't look like we thought he should. He didn't respond the way we thought he should. He wasn't desirable. Isaiah 53, verse 2, talking about Jesus. He'll grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or no stateliness and royalty. The word form and comeliness means he didn't look like everything I thought he should have looked like. Money, status, wealth, his appearance was, he was basically homeless. And because of that, when we see him, we say, man, there's no beauty that anybody would desire him. Verse three, he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Who would like to be a man or woman of sorrows acquainted with grief? Anybody? We don't want to accept sorrow and grief, but the truth is, If you're going to accurately love the way Jesus loved and live the way Jesus lived, sorrows and grief are inevitable. And that's so contrary to American westernized Christianity because we care about our appearance. Social status, the American dream. He's despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so what did we do? We hid. We hid our face from him. He was despised and we didn't esteem him. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we looked at him and said, man, you are cursed by God. 
was at a t-shirt shop in Myrtle Beach. I was witnessing to a Jew that was working there. He says, oh, Jesus had to be crucified because he claimed to be God. And that is a, a sin punishable by death. But the thing is, is this is how we can view Jesus and not even realize it. And how do you know that? By how you view others. The litmus test of how you're viewing Jesus is how you're treating others. So the measurement is relationship. If I, I can't claim to have this incredible, high revelatory, supernatural, be wild, crazy, on fire, love Jesus, all these things, and not be able to have healthy relationships in my life. Because if I'm smiting you or crucifying you, then I'm crucifying him. Because I have an inaccurate view of him. Think about it. He didn't look the way. He didn't come the way. He didn't show himself. All these things affects how I believe and how I treat other people. Maybe we didn't want to be like him, filled with sorrows and grief. Maybe we were sure he was cursed, so we hide our faces or our nice Christian ideologies that bring no transformation to others. We have to repent. Here's the core answer to my whole message, repent. Repent means change the way you think. Confess it, get it out, and say, I'm sorry. Lord, pull back the veil. And don't be afraid when God pulls back the veil. How I treat my wife is probably the number one way that God measures my life, period. How you treat your spouse, how you love others, how you love your children, how you lay your life down. Because look, beauty's fleeting. Your body's, trust me, you can't stop the sag. No one stops the sag. Gravity will eventually have its way. It will win out. And you can do all you can to prolong it. And I think that you should. Take care of your temple. Take care of your body. Eat right. Exercise. But you can't stop the sag. It's all right, y'all. It's okay. Don't get mad at me. Wow. Just, we just have to repent. And look, you have to have beside yourself daily encounters. Why? They kill selfish ambition and motives. And it pulls back the veil. Here's what happens when I'm beside myself. The veil gets pulled back. And more often than not, here's how I have these these ecstasy. My spiritual ecstasy pill goes like this. Oh, God, you love me so much. Lord, have mercy. God, forgive me. And I look down on the inside. David even said, search me and know me. Test me. And if you see anything in me, cut it out, God. Any anxious, nervous, scared, afraid way, cut it out, God. And then when God reveals it to you, instead of hiding in shame and fig leaf, I got to cover myself. See, in the garden, it was naked and ashamed. God reversed that curse. Now it's naked and covered. You can never cover yourself. Only God could properly cover you. So, he, so, so when he reveals it, he heals it and actually covers you. Whew, man. So why would we hide any longer? It's okay. I see it. I know it. But I have to give a right answer. You have to give a right answer. And you have to stop being moving by titles and positions and appearances. Don't let the pastor title thing move you. Just understand, God put that person in position, whether you like it or not, and that person has, an, has been anointed by God, and you got to stop cutting the hem of the garment because you don't like the appearance. So I'm going to change your appearance. We'll cut the hem of somebody's garment to physically step in God's place to change their appearance. That was the issue. Who was God looking at, David or Saul? David. So he was convicted and had to repent before God for cutting the hem of the garment. There's a lot of people in ministry positions 
I don't like or think that they should be there. And then God says, well, guess what? I use, I'm using them like I used you. It's not even for you to determine that. You may not like their doctrine or that they reject things or the way they teach or whatever it is. But so what? That's not for you. I'm the Lord of your life. You, be, you let me be the Lord of their life. And you love really well and get your eyes on me and get them off everyone else and stop judging and boasting on appearance. Let's get some more tatted up people in here. Let's get some more drug addicts in here. Let's get some more wealthy people from wherever they're at. South Side Island. I don't care where they come from. I don't care who you are. And let's stop worrying about what I think or what somebody else thinks. Repent. I wrote this last thing. Outward appearances may not lie, right? It's like, man, your face, your countenance, your clothes, whatever. It may not lie. It's like this clearly you are whatever it is you want to fill in. But what we see and say may be the bigger lie. I'm going to say that one more time, then I'm going to pray for you. Outward appearances may not lie. Here's what I suggest. I suggest you cry a lot. I'm talking ugly face cry. My face, when I cry, I don't even want to look at myself in a mirror when I'm crying. It's contorted and my mouth's moving and... I'm, but who cares? I'm just going to cry. You cry a lot. You cry out a lot. I'm going to tell you this again. You will have no success in the ministry of reconciliation. Redeemed, drug addicts, people right out of prison, the hurting, the broken, the adulteresses, the fornicators, whoever they are. If you don't have beside yourself encounters, you'll never love and be in your right mind for other people. Beside yourself encounters put you in the right mind for your situation. And I'm not going to let you out. We're not going to be a nice church. A little louder, a little wilder. And hey, I don't care what you do. Just do whatever God tells you. Do as the occasion demands. So their appearances may not lie, but we can be the ones that have the bigger lie. Some of y'all are liars. And you're hiding behind your religious pretense and your Sunday morning Christianity and you're laying claim to the Lord while you have all these vows and judgments on the inside and you got no authentic relationships or your spiritual bullies. That's hypocrisy. So my, my prayer for you is God pull back the veil and show me what's in there. Either there's an ark or there's no ark. And where there's no ark, put the ark. If there's no ark in here, put it in there. Because when God ripped back my veil, he goes, no ark. God, no way. No way, God. I've been preaching in a pastor for so long and doing all these things. He's like, yeah, I've been covering you because I love you. But let me just show you how much you've actually missed it. We need to get an ark in there. Because when the ark gets in the heart, when the ark gets in the heart, you will love so perfectly and handle every situation exactly the way. And it doesn't mean it will be easy, the situation. You know what makes it easy? Jesus. Let's all stand.
My suggestion is that you repent for boasting in your outward appearance and repent for judging others and ask God to give you new eyesight. That's my prayer. Then ask God to reconcile you fully and then give you the ministry of reconciliation for other people. You have a call of God on your life, period. People, situations, struggles, challenges, family. Do you know that Jesus' own family came and said he was out of his mind? So you had the Pharisees and Jesus' family saying he's out of his mind. And guess what? If I'm out of my mind, da-da-da-da, it's for God. The key is to be out of your mind for God, not really insane. So just receive this prayer, close your eyes, and if you don't care, just lift your hands up to the Lord. Come on, lift them up. Now, I'm going to pray for beside yourself encounters. That's what I'm praying for today. I need you to see right for what's coming. You have a ministry of reconciliation inside of you. You are committed with a charge to reconcile the loss back to the king. Make, to help people make an exchange. It's more than your career. It's more than your money. It's more than your stuff. You have a job to do. Bring people back to the creator so they can find the favor of the Lord. And if you've gotten out of whack and completely moved by what you see in the natural, just repent. Say, I repent. And then tell the Lord on your own strength. We're not going to do a big altar call up front, but we're doing a big one in the sanctuary. So just repent. Some of y'all got issues with tattoos. Some of y'all got issues with addicts. Some of y'all got issues, you see somebody, it's like you see somebody that identifies as LGBTQ and you don't love them accurately. I want to invite them to come to this church and to be, welcome them to sit in this house and experience perfect love. We love everyone perfectly. We don't see people based on what they identify with. We want to see people get a new identity. And you need a new identity. Say, I need a new identity. You don't identify as a drug dealer. You don't identify as a whoremonger. You don't identify with that anymore. Come into Christ. Say yes to Jesus. Just say it. Jesus, I'm giving my all to you. And I don't want to live for myself any longer. I want to live for you. So I just speak a fire shut up inside your bones that you won't be able to be silent and when you give an answer you'll give the right proper response you'll have the position of strength you'll have the position of understanding and I speak life to you and health to you and strength to you I speak comfort to you wisdom to you and I pray that you would have ecstatic ecstasy encounters go sit with Jesus every day for an hour or two a day I don't care what you got to do get up go early stay late sit long stop putting an agenda and a time on it sit at the feet of Jesus and you will get your world rocked and you need it and I need it and we need it so Lord I pray that this house would have ecstasy spiritual ecstasy beside ourselves encounters and if you want that all you got to do is say yes to it it doesn't matter who you are where you are your age none of that is predicated your personality your money God looks past all that just say Lord rock my world listen we're in the days where only the desperate will survive. Make me desperate, God. Make us desperate. I bless you and I cover you as you go today. In Jesus' name, amen.